Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Holy Spirit, He is a person. He has a will. He has an intellect. He has emotion. He is a he. He is not an it. Okay? He is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. The three together are referred to as the Godhead in the Bible. They are the Holy Trinity. So the Holy Spirit is equal with the Father, equal with the Son, and they all have different roles. We talked last week about the Holy Spirit's role in the life of Jesus. We walked through the scriptures and we saw that Jesus was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was guided by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. So the Holy Spirit was incredibly instrumental in the life of the Son of God. Consider that. And that's what we were talking about last week. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. And he was also this, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So often when we think of Jesus, we think of Jesus in his own power, his own deity, his own deific strength. But Jesus would rely on the Holy Spirit. Now we should understand that Jesus was an example set before us in 1 Peter that we should walk in his steps, that we should follow in his steps. And so we ended that that sermon with this slide and what would Jesus do? And then WSW, and I had one person guess it correctly so far. What is it? What should we do? So saying what would Jesus do is great, except I don't see any of you raising the dead. I haven't seen any of you return sight to the blind. Anyone short on their taxes? Just go fishing. That's what Jesus did. He went fishing, pulled out a fish. Well, Peter, he told Peter to go fishing. Pulled out a fish, opened its mouth, and within its mouth was enough money to pay their temple tax. Anyone do? I wish I could do that. Sincerely, wish I could do that. Anyone done that? Your car broke down, you needed a couple extra bucks? I know. Let's go fishing. And your wife looks at you and they're like, what is wrong with you? Work for Jesus. What would Jesus do? There's a lot of things Jesus did that we can't do. But there's a lot that he did that we should be doing. And how he did it was through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, there were times where he used his own personal deific power, certainly. But he emptied himself, made himself of no reputation. He became a man like us. One of his favorite titles for himself was Son of Man. Son of Man. 
He fully identified with us so that we could, we could come to follow him and be filled with the Spirit like him and do the work of the ministry. If you're a believer in Christ, you're here for a reason. You're here to bring others to Jesus. You're here to spread the gospel. You're not just here to raise a family. You're not here to get a great career. You are here to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Young people, I know, I remember when I was young, what's, what's the purpose and meaning of life? I just have no purpose. God baked a purpose into your life if you've come to Jesus for your salvation and that purpose is to share the gospel. You are an emissary. You are a missionary. That is your mission. I remember I was in high school and I started coming to this church and my wife she was my girlfriend. She dragged me here. I made fun of her. I was brutal. I called her fanatic. Most of you know this story. Some of you don't. We were 16. And uh, I started coming to this church, accepted Christ at about 17. And um, the Lord was convicting me. And I began to share the gospel with my friends in high school. I was in band, yes. As a band geek. I played the saxophone, I still play it, um, but I would, I would go into the band director's office di- during study and stuff because we could get out of study, which is awesome. All the rest of the people that called us band geeks couldn't. So we would just hang out in the office and I began to preach the gospel to my friends. I didn't know I was a preacher then. I just knew that I wanted my friends to know Jesus. And so we'd be sitting on the floor and Mr. Harrington's office and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a purpose, teenagers. You have a purpose. You have a mission. Adults, it shouldn't change for us. We should be learning how to share our faith, but don't share it in your own strength, in your own power. This is the Holy Spirit of God that enables us to do what we cannot do. A living example of this. I was just noticing Pamela Montaigne. You were here when I first started coming to Emmanuel. You remember, do you remember me? I had super tight white jeans. It was 1986 was the year. Anyone seen The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler? That was my hair. It was feathered, parted in the middle down past my collar, and my hair's curly, so it was like little curls in the back. I mean, I was gorgeous. <laughs> I was also shyer than dirt. Like, shy. Trisha was my first, ser- well, she was my first serious girlfriend. I never kissed another girl on the lips. I remember going on a, on a youth activity in my old church, and I had a girlfriend named Beth, and we were holding hands walking through Squam Lake, and we got way ahead of the group. And she had intentions, and I was too chicken. I was terrified. I couldn't kiss her. I was scared to death. I was that shy. That's why I said, Pam, you remember me? Remember how shy I was? I remember my first lesson that I gave in Awana. Awana is like our e-kids now. And I wore my best jeans. They were tight and white. That was my dress scene. I mean, I was like, I was going to do this thing. 
And I got up in front of these five-year-old kids, and I swear you could see my knees shaking inside my white jeans. Like, I was terrified, terrified. Why am I telling you all this? Because I know how difficult it is to take a step into something that terrifies you. But I also know that the Holy Spirit, if he is calling you to do it, and listen, he is calling us to share the gospel, that he will give you everything you need to the point of changing your personality or your character if necessary. No, I'm still shy. I was saying that to my son's girlfriend's mother at Nate's game yesterday. I don't know if you noticed my voice is a little scratchy today. That's what happens when he has two lacrosse games Friday night and Saturday morning. Apparently, I yell a lot. And somebody said, oh, you're not shy at all. I'm like, I'm really shy. I still am. But God has moved me out of that space so that I could accomplish his purpose and his ministry. If you could only have known me then, most of you would be shocked that I stand up in front of a crowd every Sunday morning. You'd be just dumbfounded because it wouldn't have happened. Randy knows. I mean, I was the kid that was bullied in school until I punched a kid in the face. I don't recommend it, but I don't not recommend it. Just saying. Um, that's not scripture. Let me get away from the... That's just my experience talking. If God can do things with me, shy, unpopular, back then I was super skinny, ugly. I mean, I've, I've aged like fine wine, but back then, I mean, I was so, I look at some pictures of Trish and I together, I'm like, dude, why would you say yes to that? Like, if I was your father and that asked me to marry you, I would have said, go back and hide under your bridge because you are a troll. Anyways, why am I saying that? Today, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the believer. The Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And if you don't know Jesus yet, if you haven't become a Christian by placing your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, today is your chance. And the Holy Spirit starts in the lives of the unbelievers and brings them to belief. And he does it in a certain way. So let's jump into the scriptures. John chapter 16, verse 5 through 15. But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now Jesus is heading out to Jerusalem to be crucified. He's done more than drop hints to his disciples. They should know. And they ever been willfully ignorant, guys? Anybody? Like you know, but you don't want to know. And so you don't know. They're sad, though. They're scared. In fact, in John chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Because he is God. Those that claim that Jesus never admitted that he was God have to dice the scriptures all up. That phrase right there was Jesus identifying with the Father. You believe in God, believe also in me. I am God. 
All right? That's the unwritten part. So let's go on. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take care of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take care of mine and declare it to you. Who is Jesus speaking about in this passage of Scripture? Who is the helper? The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, helper, comfort, comforter, advocate. All of those words work in that, in that one word that was translated helper. He is our counselor. I want you to notice how Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit. What pronoun does the Holy Spirit have? He. Respect his pronoun. He is not an it. He is a person. He is God. There's a lot of people that they just want to take advantage of the Holy Spirit's power as if that's all he was, was a power source. I've tried to stop praying, Lord, fill me with the power of your spirit. And I've been praying more, Lord, fill me with your spirit. The power without the presence is a dangerous thing. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, first of all, he convicts. The Holy Spirit convicts the world, and and listen, he convicts the believer too. He convicts the world. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin, right? He will bring conviction on the one who is sinning. What is the sin that he's really convicting the unbeliever of, do you think? Unbelief. Unbelief. You see, all sin could be categorized in these three phrases. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And so when we look at all of our individual sins, you should be confessing those sins as you are convicted of them and bring that guilt and shame to the foot of the cross. Put it under the blood and declare it paid in full because it is. If you've trusted Jesus. If you haven't trusted Jesus and what he has done on the cross for you, That unbelief is what will send you to hell where you will pay the penalty for the sin that he already paid for, but that you rejected. You rejected his payment, and you've chosen to pay it for yourself. So the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin, particularly the sin of unbelief. This is essentially the sin that sends people to hell. And as I said, individual sins will be judged in the end. 
but they needn't be judged on you since Jesus paid it all. If you're here this morning and there is sin in your life and, and you're not certain that you have a home in heaven, you're not certain because you're not believing, you're not trusting in Jesus. There are people, and I was one of them, who would pray frequently, Lord Jesus, please save my eternal soul, please cleanse me from my sin, and I, I thought I'd lost my salvation. And I would just keep praying that same prayer over and over and over and over and over again, thinking that maybe one of the times it worked. Well, that's not belief, is it? That's not fully trusting, is it? If I trusted him, I would take him at his word that he's going to do what he said he would do. We're going to talk about that probably next week, the way the time is going, but we'll talk about one of the other jobs of the Holy Spirit, which is to seal the believer. He convicts us of sin. In the life of the believer, he's going to convict you of your individual sins. And can I tell you something? That is a blessing from God. When God convicts your heart of sin, thank him for it. Fall on your knees and give him glory that he would take the time to convict you of your sin so that you could be right with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and not have a schism between you and him. The conviction of sin is a blessing. And he convicts the world of unbelief. He convicts us of sin in our lives that are separating us in our fellowship with our Father, Son, and Spirit. He convicts the world of righteousness. And this righteousness is the need of a right standing before God in heaven. It's a legal term. It's not enough that we've been forgiven of our sins. We need to do everything right. We need to be righteous with God. Well, we can't. How many of y'all try to turn over a new leaf? You know what's coming next, right? You've been outside. I don't know about turning over a new leaf that's on the tree. What's the big deal? <laughs> right? So you ever pick up a leaf that's on the ground? It's springtime, isn't it? Go, go in your yard, pick up one of the leaves that's on the ground and flip it over. And what do you see? Sometimes you see worms, bugs. Terrible things. Well, that's, that's what happens to unbelievers in particular. I want to go to heaven, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to walk the straight and narrow. From now on, I'm, I'm not going to lie anymore. I'm going to tell my wife the truth. When she says, is somebody going, <clears throat> don't. Don't say it. Is that, is that what you guys are doing? Does this dress make me look fat? You're going to say, honey, that dress does not make you look fat. You're going to speak the truth. Now, you guys read between the lines on that. You're also going to get into a lot of trouble. There's a Brad Paisley song. Nate, what's the name of that song? That's Love. If you haven't listened to Brad Paisley, listen to That's Love. It's all about lying. Y'all going to turn over a new leaf, but the problem is, you're going to lie again. You're just going to. You're going to judge again. You're going to condemn others again. Uh, you're going to drink too much again. You're going to eat too much again. Oh, man. I admit I felt a little conviction, and I'm thankful for it, when I had that second piece of ice cream cake last night. 
So we need a right standing before God, but we can't stand right before God. And that's the problem, isn't it? The Bible says no liar shall enter in to the pearly gates of heaven. No liar. Well, that's all of us, isn't it? Has anyone never told a lie? Just raise your hand. I've never told a lie. Isn't there a fable of somebody that never told a lie and chopped down a cherry tree or something? Nobody's raising their hands? Yeah. Everyone here has lied. So that means you are not worthy to enter into the perfect kingdom of God, into the perfect presence of the Lord, because that one sin will keep you out. He cannot allow one blemish to cross those pearly gates. You know how corruption and rust works, right? It just keeps eating away at it. So we need a right standing before God. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us of this need. Man, if I were to stand before God right now, what would he say about my life? If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want you to imagine yourself standing before the throne room of God. It's called a great white throne judgment in the book of Revelation. And I want you to imagine standing before God and saying this, I'm okay, I'm a pretty good guy. And then I want you to imagine that God has ultra 4K, HD. I want you to see a screen drop down beside the throne. Two screens on either side of the throne. And then I want you to see your life being played out on those screens. I want you to see every word that you have ever said, for we will be judged by the words that we speak. I want you to see the thoughts and intents of your mind Rolling by on that screen because Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery. If you hate your brother, you've committed murder. I want you to see your thoughts on that screen. Are you with me this morning? If you don't know Jesus, that's where you're headed. And you might think you're okay. But now I want you to look from the age you were able to understand right and wrong. That role is playing That role is playing in the Bible. It doesn't say ultra 4K. It says he opens up the books. He's going to open the books of the business of your life. And is it Madoff that did your books? Or is it Jesus? Man, if you have any other accountant but Jesus, you are in big trouble. There's only one that can wash away your sin and only one that can make you righteous before God because when you come to Christ for salvation, you are wrapped in the robe of his righteousness. You exchange your sinfulness for his righteousness. The Holy Spirit regenerates you. Well, he convicts us of judgment. I just went through the judgment. Judgment to come. And so we'll move on to the, to the helper. My slides aren't moving. Let's see if this works. Hello. Hello, my friend. Hello. You're on the helper, but I am not. Watch. I got my handy-dandy notes on my phone. Ah, here we are. So the word helper means this. To come alongside To come alongside. It is the 
advocate. He is the comforter, not it. He is a counselor. He is a guide. He comes alongside all of those who have received that conviction that we just talked about and turned to Jesus Christ for the salvation of their eternal souls. Right? If that's you here, if, you've done, if you haven't done that, I hope that where you're sitting, you will cry out to Jesus right now in your seat. You don't have to scream it out loud. Just say, Lord God, forgive me a sinner. I'm a sinner by birth and I'm a sinner by choice. And I'm terrified of standing before that great white throne and seeing my entire life played out before me. I'm terrified of what you would find in the books of my life if they were to be open. But Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin and I believe that you rose from the grave so that I could receive your forgiveness and your righteousness. And the Lord says, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, period. If you've done that, here is your friend. The Holy Spirit is your helper. He is your comforter. He is your counselor. He is your guide. He is your advocate. Jesus said in the passage that we just read, that it was to the advantage of his disciples that he go away. Now, as I was preparing this, and I've taught on the Holy Spirit before, and this just hit me so powerfully. As I was preparing this, he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper can't come. And I thought, that's really interesting. That he was telling his disciples it was best for us if his physical presence were to be removed from their life and replaced by the Holy Spirit, who is described as the wind. You can't see him. But you can feel his effects. And I've read that and I've thought, yeah, I've studied that out and it's really cool and stuff. But man, yesterday or whatever day it was this week, that just hit me so hard. Because I think there's so many people walking around the world today, whether they're believers or unbelievers. And they they say, if Jesus would just come down from heaven, I would believe. If I could just see Jesus. Jesus. But Jesus is saying it's more advantageous for you that I go away so that the Holy Spirit might come. What do they call the Christians who first believed in the book of Acts? What were they calling them at Antioch? No, at Antioch. Christians. They were calling them Christians. They were people of the way, though. I did a whole series called People of the Way. They call them Christians. What does Christian mean? Exactly. Little Christs. So we talk about the Holy Spirit convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. He uses us. Come on now, work with me here. Jesus came physically to to Judea. Jesus is Jewish in the flesh. And, and he walked around Galilee, and, and that was his area of ministry. 
if Jesus was still walking in the flesh, is he going to be able to minister to everyone that you meet? So he sent us out, his little Christs, filled with his spirit to do the work of the ministry. We don't condemn of sin, we convict. Sometimes the conviction of sin is just by the life that you're living before those who don't know Jesus yet. A life of faith. A life, a life characterized by love. Not hatred. Not disdain. But love. A life that stands truly on the word of God. And by the grace of God is overcoming sin day by day. But when you fall... The distinction is, you understand the mercy and grace of God. In Hebrews, he said, let us approach the throne of grace boldly, that is to say with confidence because of what Jesus has done, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when we fail, listen, let your, mourning, let your laughter be turned to mourning, but not forever. We mourn over our sin. We bring it to the throne of God. We lay it at the feet of Jesus and it's covered in his blood. And then we rise up. And the grace of God is on brilliant display in our lives, both when we walk in victory and even when we fail. We are to be his emissaries. Well, he is our helper. So what I was thinking about was this. Would you prefer the presence of Christ or the presence of the Holy Spirit? And when I say the presence of Christ, I mean the physical presence of Christ. Or the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is also called the Spirit of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I thought this was just fascinating to me. Now, if Jesus came back to earth in the flesh, that would be really awesome. Not for the world right now, because that would signify the end. But if he, came, if he came back in the flesh, let's set prophecy aside, and he's coming to my house for dinner tonight. He's going to hang out with me this week. What does that mean for you? What does it mean? That he's not hanging out with you. Jesus is fully God, fully man. So if he's on earth in his physical presence... Now, he can go from place to place. He's got some kind of crazy powers where he just appeared in this closed room among his disciples. I'm looking forward to receiving that kind of body, but it's still a body. It's still a body. So we may long for that physical presence of Christ, but he said, and this is the importance of the Holy Spirit, it's advantageous to you if he were to go away. What does that mean for us? How many of y'all been jealous of Peter, Paul, and James, and John? Been a little jealous. Like they walk with Jesus. Dude, man, I wish I was walking with Jesus like that. It's more advantageous to you to have the Holy Spirit of Christ than the physical presence of Christ. I just find that mind-boggling. It's mind-blowing to me. Because we think so little of the Holy Spirit. 
He's so much lesser than Jesus. Man, if Jesus was just here, I could endure this trial. I could go through these hard times because Jesus is right here. Well, he is in spirit, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter has come. The presence of Christ spiritually is real within you. You don't need his physical person to be with you. In fact, as he said, it is greater for you to have the spirit. Man, I just, I think it's so amazing that Jesus said it's more advantageous to you, more advantageous to you that I go away so that the spirit might come. Man, when you consider the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus, it should help us understand why he said this. How much he accomplished with the Holy Spirit. We need faith. We need to trust that the Spirit is in us and that he is, in fact, God. We need the faith to believe that greater is he that is in you than he, small h, that is in the world. We need to understand that he has the power to renew your mind, to restore your soul. This week, one of the verses I was, I was using in my devotions was uh, just a small portion of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still pastures. Right? There are still waters. He makes, he makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside still waters. And the next phrase is, he restores my soul. He restoreth my soul. And, and I've read that many, many times. It's a great passage for a funeral. In fact, that's pretty much almost the only time you hear it preached. What is the soul? Heart, mind, and will. Your soul. Now man is a trichotomy after they come to Christ. They have been given a living spirit, a quickened spirit. Prior to that, you're, you're partially dead. You are, Ephesians says you are dead in your trespasses and sin. You have no true connection to the Father because your spirit is dead. And God is spirit, and they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So without a spirit, you are not able to worship God in truth. When you came to Christ, you were given a living spirit. Not just the Holy Spirit, but your spirit that was dead was made alive. How cool is that? You are now a trichotomy. You got the flesh, this body, and you have the bends towards sin. You have your soul, your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. And what's happening is your, your body is drawn toward the things of the world. It wants only pleasure. The old nature wants nothing to do with Jesus. And so the enemy comes and tempts that old nature. The enemy comes and works on dragging your soul back into that condition. 
while your new spirit longs to be with God and commune with God. Folks, you have a new and living spirit that can restore your soul. Think about that for a second. How many of you feel like you've just done too much, ruined yourself? I've experienced too much. I've, I've had too many evil thoughts. I've been bitter and hateful and angry all of my life. I can't change it. Well, you're living under a lie of the enemy when you say it can't be changed. You may be telling the truth when you say, I can't change it. But think about what Psalms 23 said. He restores my soul. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let me see if I can actually do that. <clears throat> ooh. He restores my soul. Now, I used to think about that like I'm, I'm working really hard. I used to do solid surface countertops and lead installer and fabricator, and they were heavy, and it was so dusty. It was nasty, and, and I remember there were days where I'd get home late on a Wednesday, and I'd rush to Bible study, and my hair would still be white, not the way it is now, but from dust, <laughs> and I'd have my arms were like dust, but I would come to church, and I would come right after work without eating dinner because it was important for me to be here. I had found something and something had found me. And I wanted to be under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. And we still have Wednesday night Bible study, by the way. Just tossing that out there. So I used to look at this word restore as when you work a really long week. Some of you can track with me on that. Anyone had a long week? And you get home... And you just want to sit on the couch, have a drink of water, um, put on an empty-headed television show, and just catch your breath and just feel restored. It's so much more than working a long day, drinking a Gatorade, and taking a nap. He restores your soul, that which was broken, that which was wounded, that which is damaged. He restores my soul. Hallelujah for the Holy Spirit of God. He restores my soul. In the passage we read, it says he will teach you all things. Now, in particular, he was telling the apostles that the Holy Spirit was going to teach them everything they needed. And I think that's important for us to understand. He taught them, and then he sent pastors and teachers to churches to teach the churches. Now, does the Holy Spirit, can the Holy Spirit teach you directly? I believe he can. You're reading the word of God, and I believe the Holy Spirit can come alongside you and illuminate it for you. If that hasn't happened yet, I hope it will because it's really cool. You're just reading and you're like, wow, it's more advantageous for me to have the Holy Spirit than the physical presence of Christ. And you're reading your Bible and that jumps out at you and you're like, this is so cool. I hope you all have those moments. But there are some Christians who refuse to be taught by other men, by other women, they refuse to be taught because they say, I have the Holy Spirit too, and I don't need you. 
Who do you think you are? Who gifts the church with pastor, teachers, and teachers? Who gives that gift? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some pastors and teachers. Who is the he? Uh, It's God, the Holy Spirit, who gifts you with the spiritual gift of pastoring and teaching. And for those of you that think you know it all, it doesn't matter. Because the Holy Spirit is using me and Peter and others to teach you. Sometimes we just want this ethereal wind and we forget that the, we feel the effects of the breath of God. And one of the effects we feel is through the preaching and teaching of your local church. Now, did I say he couldn't teach you directly? Did I say that? No. Did I give you a warning? Don't be so arrogant to think that you do not need a pastor teacher in your life. And when you come to church and you sit down and you say to yourself, well, I've heard all this before, you should know one thing. You are in sin. It is arrogance and pride. Instead of sitting and listening and saying, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to know from this sermon. I don't think I've preached anything new today. If you've been saved for a while, I'm willing to bet that you know everything that I just told you. Maybe except for the emphasis on the advantage. It doesn't matter. We all need refreshers. In fact, the Apostle Peter, in his book, his letter, he said, even though you know these things, even though you know these things that I'm talking about, and even though you're doing them, they were even doing them, even though you know these things, I'm going to still remind you of them so that when I'm gone, you will remain in them. That's a paraphrase. So the Holy Spirit reminds us. I mean, that's pretty good, isn't it? He reminds us, first of all, things we've heard and learned and been taught, things that we read. I'd like to put this out there. If you've not read your Bible and you're like, okay, Holy Spirit, remind me. And he's like, I can't remind you of something you didn't read. That's not how reminding someone works. It's more like, hey, Eric, did you take the trash out? That's a reminder because it's been said and heard before, perhaps many times. And the fact that I forget to take the trash out tells you why we need to be reminded of Scripture. If you can forget something so simple as taking the trash out, you can forget complex ideas from the Word of the living God that can transform your life. So the Holy Spirit was to remind these men, but this is particular in context. These were the men that were going to pen much of the Bible, much of the New Testament. The four Gospels, well, the two of the Gospels, Matthew and, um, and John, in particular, eyewitness, first, first step eyewitnesses, first-hand accounts. Luke assembled Luke by doing a bunch of interviews, and, and then Mark, we think, was the secretary of Peter. And so you could almost call Mark the Gospel of Peter, Gospel according to Peter. 
We're not sure on that. That's fuzzy. But in order for those four biographical books to be written, these men had to have perfect recall because the word of God is perfect. It is without error. And so the Holy Spirit was there to teach the apostles so that they could understand the word of God and also to remind them of what they observed those three years that they were walking with Jesus, those parables that we have in the New Testament, in those four Gospels, those sermons that we have, they were able to have spiritual recall because the Holy Spirit miraculously enabled them to do that. Now, he also does that with us. Um, As we read and study his word, he can bring things back to remembrance. But, Let me remind you what Peter said. He is going to remind you through the men that he has filled with his spirit and gifted to you, such as your pastors and teachers. So when you come to church and you're like, I've heard this before, just remember that one of the blessings of the Holy Spirit is to remind you, is to remind you of the things that you already know so that you'll never forget them and you will continue to live in them. So what do we do? Well, I hope that you will pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit and that you will learn to rest in Him. Pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit And learn to rest in him. There was a verse that was instrumental in me breaking free of my fear of preaching and pastoring and quitting my job and taking a 50% cut in pay to come work for Emmanuel for the Lord Jesus. That verse is this. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Faithful is he who calls you. Who will also do it? Contextually, he's talking about overcoming sin. But the principle bears out that if he has called you to something, what will he do? He will do it. What has he called you to? Whatever it is, make sure he's the one calling you. And then step out in faith. Rest in the Holy Spirit. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.